Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. When we have a relationship with God, our life truly becomes meaningful and fruitful. The impact of your life in this world can be measured by your relationship to God. The more you have of God in you, the more you walk in faithful obedience to God, the greater will be the blessing that you just give out to this world. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our heads and The more of God that we have in us, the more blessings we will give to the world and the more blessings we will find in our lives. Pastor Ed tells us today that Abraham was promised by God to be father of nations. Though Abraham failed in his faith sometimes, he ultimately believed in God's promises and consistently did that which God asked of him. In the end, he received God's blessings. You too are promised great things through God, but like Abraham, you must move in faith towards him. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message. says, I can't do it. God says to us, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Unbelief says, I'm not able. But God says, you are able. Unbelief says, it's not worth it. God says it will be worth it all. Eyes have not seen nor ears have heard what God has prepared for those who love him. Unbelief says I can't forgive myself. God says I forgive you. Unbelief says I can't manage. God says I'll supply all of your needs. Unbelief says, I'm afraid. God says, I've not given you the spirit of fear. Unbelief says, I'm worried and frustrated. God says, cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. Unbelief says, I don't have enough faith. God says, I've given to every man, every man, every man a measure of faith. Unbelief says, I'm not smart enough. God said, Jesus Christ is our wisdom. Unbelief says, I feel alone. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Who will you listen to? The voice of God or the voice of unbelief? Who will you embrace? Unbelief or the promises of God? Abraham said, I believe. I believe. I believe God. Hallelujah. See, God's divine summons is a manifestation of grace. He called you not because you are worthy. And by the way, he keeps you not because you're worthy either. Do you think it's changed? No, 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 no. Now, you've changed, and you're changing. You're not what you were, but you're not what you're going to be yet. Unbelief changed. Unbelief will change you, but God's faith in your heart will free you to be more than you could ever have imagined you could be. See, the divine call 
is a summons from heaven. It's a summons of grace. And it comes with the authority of the creator of the universe who will create in you a new heart and give you a new mind and a new spirit. (sighs) The call must be heard and it must be heeded. The call creates a separation. It does. When the call enters your heart, a separation transpires. In Genesis 12, verse 1, it reads, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to a land I will show you. God's call comes, and you have to leave the old life. Abram's father, Terah, his name means old man. And it seems that when God came and appeared to Abram in the Earl of Chaldeas and said, get out into the land of Canaan, they came with him, but he stopped short. And he was sort of stuck in Haran until his father passed away, the old man. You can't really get into the promised land until the old man dies. Until that old nature has been crucified. Now, this call is a fork in the road. It means that you're going to go in another direction. When the call comes, it means you're going to leave your former way. You're going to live differently. You're going to withdraw from sinful associates. Hello? Say that again. You're not with the same crowd anymore. When the call comes, it will separate you and sever you from worldly pursuits. This call disconnects you from the secular lifestyle and connects you to the sacred lifestyle. See, God brings you into his courtroom when you're saved. He declares you justified. He declares you sanctified. And he pronounces a divorce over you, a divorce from the world. And now you're married to him. And so that's what God does when he calls us. He separates us. I believe that... The call creates a separation from the world. In 2 Corinthians 6, 17, it reads, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. It separates us from the world. What does the church mean? The church is, in Greek, ekklesia, the called out ones. If you're a part of the church of God... You've been called out. God's performed heart surgery on you. And he's given you a new heart. And he's separated you from your old life. That's why you can't be comfortable with those old friends and those old environments and in those old ways. Now, I know that choosing is hard. Uh, I want to read to you a testimony of a man by the name of Billy. Listen carefully as I read to you his testimony. I don't think I ever felt so out of place. I never felt such pains of loss either. It had been about three years since I had seen these folks. This was the crowd I hung out with at school. We laughed, we cried together in the late hours of the morning. 
Uh, we listened to the Doors and the Beatles playing in the background. We solved the world's problems. We griped about our parents. We partied together. And we'd gone to every major rock concert there was. They were a part of me and who I had become. But at that moment, they made me uncomfortable. Three years is a long time, but it wasn't the time. Time seemed to have stood still for them. They were the same. They still had long hair and the beads. My hair was considerably shorter by choice. They still partied hard in all the ways I no longer could. It wasn't time. It, it wasn't them. I had changed. But it wasn't really me. The day he came into my life, I knew I could never, could never be the same. He's the one who changed me from the inside out, filling up those empty places in my life with his love, mercy, and forgiveness. As I stood there looking at my old friends, I realized that I was the one who was different. And it was Jesus Christ who made the difference. I still love those friends, but I could no longer be like them or live like them. I had to choose between the ones who made me laugh and the one who made me whole. Signed, Billy. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, there's a change. You're never the same again. You can't do what you once did. You can't go back to the old lifestyle. It's different. I still remember when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. B.C., before Christ, I was gambling. I was hustling. And I remember one day going to the bowling alley where I'd gamble and bowl and hustle. And I saw Mark Roth. And Mark said to me, Ah, six months and you'll be back on the lanes bowling again with us. Never went back. Never went back. Because God did something on the inside. And I couldn't live that old life. See, when God comes in, he separates. He severs you. There's now a fork in the road. You can't walk the same direction you can't used to walk. You can't live the same life you used to live. It is different. Either our faith will separate us from the world or the world will separate us from our God. The church used to preach about worldliness. Now we're trying to keep up with the world. But way back when God called the father of the faithful, the patriarch Abraham, our example our pace setter. He said the call involves separation, separation from the world. See, in order for Abraham to soar, in order for Abraham to be all that God meant him to be, in order for Abraham to be a blessing, for every blessing is tied up with God's command. 
I'll say that again. For every blessing is tied up with the commands of God. We don't just pick blessings and we don't just go and get blessings. There are commands that produce blessings. There's obedience that produces, as it were, a life that's blessed by God. In order for Abraham to have a place in the future, he had a break with the past. In order for Abraham to have a place in the future, he had to break with the past. Abraham could have spent his life in the era of Chaldeas, and his life would have been forgotten. Nobody would be talking about him today. But he chose to have a place in the future. He chose to have a place in all time to come. And God will see that your life really matters. He will see that your life counts for something. If you obey him, if you break with the past, If you close the door on the past and you walk into your future with God, you will be a blessing to others. You will be a blessing to your children. You will be a blessing to generations. Hallelujah. The call creates a separation from the world, but not doesn't leave you out in limbo. It separates you unto God. The call is a separation to God. It says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and do not touch the unclean thing. I will receive you. Abraham now is walking with God. He's enjoying fellowship with God. He's influencing time and eternity. His life has meaning and impact. See, when we have a relationship with God... Our life truly becomes meaningful and fruitful. The impact of your life in this world can be measured by your relationship to God. The more you have of God in you, the more you walk in faithful obedience to God, the greater will be the blessing that you just give out to this world. My last point The call demands surrender. Verse 4. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. This surrender wasn't just a crisis moment. When God spoke to him in the Earl of Chaldeas. And then God years later knocked at his door again and said... Abram, remember what I've called you to do? Leave Haran now and go to a land that I'll show you. It didn't just happen in a crisis moment. It did, but yet we have to respond on a continual and a consistent basis to respond to God. It's a life of surrender. To surrender to God is both a crisis and a daily process. There needs to be a clear, definite yielding of oneself completely to God, followed by a day-by-day experience of that surrender. Surrendering to the will of God. We're told in Romans 12 to not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing will. The years that passed... Again and again, Abram had to surrender to God's will. Abraham said, can Ishmael be my, the seed that you bless the world through? Can he be my elect son? God said, no. Again, 
the tests that came into Abram's life would increase with time because again and again, he would surrender his will to God. He would say, not my will, but thy will be done. His greatest test came at the end of his life. No, towards the end of his life, when he took his Isaac and offered up Isaac on the altar. In Isaac were all the promises of God. In Isaac were all the hopes. But he was willing to take his Isaac and place it on his altar. Are you willing to take your Isaac and place it on your altar? And offer it to God and say, God, here are all my hopes. I trust you with it. Your will be done. Jesus' greatest test comes in the garden when he says, not my will, but thy will be done. All along, he had been saying, I've come to do the will of the Father. But as the years progressed, more and more, he was tested in that area. Saint of God, don't think that your greatest tests are past. Don't think that the greatest test happened when you came to an old-fashioned altar and said yes to Jesus and you gave your life to him. There are tests all along the pathway, all along the journey, all along your life where God will say to you, will you do my will now? Will you do my will now? Will you yield to me now? Will you submit to me now? Oh, yes, I know this hurts, but I want you to look like my son. I want to prepare you for a place in heaven. I'm separating the chaff from the wheat. I want people to know that you're one of my sheep. See, if the separation doesn't happen here, it's not going to be over there. If it doesn't happen here today and people can't tell that you're one of his sheep, they're not going to know in eternity. And I doubt it's going to happen over there. Beloved, it's one thing to make broad, thoughtless statements that you will submit to God. And another thing, to surrender each detail of your life to him. A willingness to say, your will, God, be in his word. Live in his word. And let his word live out through you. Because that's the expression of his will in his mind and his heart. So many people are in rebellion against God and they're Christians. So many people are in the church and they're saying again and again to God, I want it my way. I want to do it my way. I want to do it my way, God. They're not letting their will be bent to God's will. And they're short-circuiting their usefulness to the kingdom of God and their effectiveness and the impact of their lives. The only way is to trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. We must surrender not only to his will but to the ways of God. Listen to this last passage of scripture found in Isaiah the prophet. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts and your thoughts. If you live the Christian life, you are going to be different. You're going to be different from your friends, different from your neighbors. The ways of God are different. 
God enables us to see life differently. We look at situations differently. We look at life from a spiritual perspective. We measure life by eternity. We have the voice of God guiding and speaking and directing our steps. We look different. We live different. We are different because Christ is in us. Abraham, he looked odd to his fellow townspeople. He looked odd to his family. His decisions didn't make sense to them. And so our decisions may not make sense to the world. Why do you give to the church the way you give to the church? Why is 10% what governs your life? Why do you spend time praying and reading the Bible? Why do you refuse to take the easy shortcuts. Why are you such a stickler for morality? Such a stickler for doing things right? Doing things God's way? It's because I've been changed and I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is the Lord. I'm looking for an inheritance above. I'm not looking for rewards on this present world. My heart's not set on the things of this life. It's rather set on treasures in heaven that God will one day abundantly pour out on me. Hallelujah. I like what George MacDonald said. I find doing the will of God leaves me no time for disputing about his plans. Do you want to dispute with God? I can't always understand the Lord. But some people want to dispute and argue. If it's in the book, listen. If God said it, accept it. Yeah, I know it may be hard. It's at times difficult. But I tell you, in the end, you'll always come out ahead. Abram, it just doesn't make sense to us. Leaving for a desert? You don't have any job security there, Abram. Abram, you don't even know where you're going. Abram... I don't know. Listen, I don't know. All I know is that God spoke to me. And he promised that I would be a father of many nations. (laughs) He doesn't even have one son. He's an old man. I know. It doesn't sound feasible or possible. But I believe that the God of heaven is able to do everything he promised and everything he said. And time will tell. Time will tell. And it did. And it is. Henry Blackaby said, the one God calls, he enables by his presence to fill completely his call. Any other assignment offered by the world will always be a huge step down. Let me ask you. Do you hear it? I hear him. He knows your name. He's calling you. I don't know what he's asking you to step out of. But it may be some sinful habits that have hindered your Christian walk. It may be some associations that are just keeping you from being what God wants you to be. It may be some areas of unbelief 
that you've held on to so long that that's created the reality that you live in instead of living in the faith of God's promises. Thank you, Pastor Ed, for bringing us that great teaching from the life of Abraham. We have so much more to learn from the man who lived such an incredible life of faith and yet still messed up sometimes, trying to make God's promises come true on his own. When we're in that space of waiting for God to come through and fulfill his promises, it's so easy to take our eyes off him and try to make things happen with our own efforts. We hope today's message encouraged you to keep your eyes fixed on God today and commit to waiting for him to do things in his timing. Doing life in community with other believers encourages us and strengthens us as we wait on Jesus. Do you have a church home? If you're in or around Poughkeepsie, New York, you're invited to join us at Faith Assembly. We'd love to be the people who come around you to encourage you in this life. We have services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. filled with biblical teaching from Pastor Ed and worshiping God together. You'll find directions and more information when you visit our website, buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on the Back to Home page tab. If you aren't in the area but would still like to listen to more of Pastor Ed's teachings, check out buildinginfaithradio.com as well. There you can find a wide variety of archived messages from Pastor Ed. We've enjoyed our time together with you today, and we hope you'll tune in next time for Building in Faith. Your word restores.